Somebody is happy to be here this morning, right? <laughs> okay, raise your hand if you've lost power at one point. Yeah, we were just having a discussion this morning that um, do you find that without power, your kids don't feel like they need to clean up? It's kind of like, well, the dishwasher is broken, so I'm just going to throw all my dirty clothes on the ground. We were just talking about that this morning, just how, how true that is, that kids somehow just feel like, there's no power, I'm on holiday, I don't have to clean up anything. Anyway, uh, we hope you're doing well. And we hope you find encouragement in the Lord during this season. And it, we also ask that if you do have needs, you'd let us know. And if you're able and willing to be part of one of our work teams to go out, we'd love to have you do that as well. 1 Samuel chapter 19 this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 19. This is a, it's a chapter about protection. God's invisible hand, which we call providence, protecting his chosen king David from the evil of men. Now remember, David was anointed king by Samuel in chapter 16. Right? You remember that? He anointed him. This is going to be the next king. And then we see him going. We always tell the story of the giant, right? And he kills the giant, and that's the work of the king. So he's doing the work of the king. And the ladies then begin to sing songs about the king, proclaiming David's greatness and how he's killed his tens of thousands. Now, in chapter 18, this is what that's done to King Saul and his soul. It says this, Saul eyed David from that point on. He eyed him, not in a good way. So David was the up-and-coming rival, you might say, and Saul wanted him dead. First, he tries to do that with the Philistines, and that didn't work. And then in chapter 19, he has a council, and he declares David the most wanted man in Israel, right? Now, at the same time that Saul is doing evil, David returns nothing but good. And God protects him through Saul's own son, Jonathan, his prayers for David, his intercession with his father, his own wife, Michael's love for him, and the Holy Spirit does something amazing to protect King David. Now, my friends, I want to ask you, what do you do when someone continuously returns evil for good in your life? Or maybe we feel everything is working against us. Where do you run to then? Well, let's just read 1 Samuel 19, starting at verse 11, and we'll read down a bit. Saul sent messengers to David's house to watch him that he might kill him in the morning. But Michael, David's wife, told him, If you do not escape with your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. So Michael let David down through the window, and he fled away and escaped. Michael took an image and laid it on the bed and put a pillow of goat's hair as its head and covered it with the clothes. And when Saul sent messengers to David, she said, He is sick. Then Saul sent the messengers to see David, saying, Bring him up to me in bed, that I may kill him. And when the messengers came in, behold, the image was in the bed with the pillow of goat's hair at its head. Saul said to Michael, Why have you deceived me thus and let my enemy go so that he has escaped? Michael answered, Saul, he said to me, Let me go. Why should I kill you? Verse 18. 
Now David fled and escaped, and he came to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and lived at Naoth, and it was told Saul, Behold, David is at Naoth in Ramah. Then Saul sent messengers to take David, and when they saw the company of the prophets, the company of prophets prophesying, and Samuel standing at head over them, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. When it was told Saul, he sent other messengers, and they also prophesied. And Saul sent messengers again the third time, and they also prophesied. Then he himself went to Ramah and came to the great wall that is in Secu. And he asked, Where are Samuel and David? And one said, Behold, they are at Naoth and Ramah. And he went there to Naoth and Ramah, and the Spirit of God came upon him also. And as he went, he prophesied until he came to Naoth and Ramah. And he too stripped off his clothes, and he too prophesied before Samuel and lay naked, All that day and all that night, thus it is said, is Saul also amongst the prophets. Let's pray for our time. Oh God, we thank you that you are God of comfort, and you comfort us with all your character. And part of what we see here is you are sovereign God over all things. Lord, over all things. And we look and we trust in your providence here Teach us now about your character, your goodness, your glory, that me, we might want to trust you and in hard times run to you and wrap our arms around our Father in heaven and pour out our heart to you, knowing that you hear and you act. We pray all this in the name of our living Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, do you know this sad children's song. It goes like this, and it might just be something from New Zealand, so you just tell me. I've never heard of that. It goes like this. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to eat worms. You ever heard that? Yeah? Is that just a New Zealand thing? Yeah? Here too? Well, sometimes we are ready for a diet of worms, right? And we become convinced that Everything is working against us, but the scriptures show us that nothing can be further from the truth. I can remember feeling like this in a church that I pastored, and we started with about 30 people years ago, and many were ready to leave when I got there. And after six months, we had a very difficult congregational meeting where we had to make some very difficult decisions. And in the process, the oldest Elder Emeritus, he and his wife got up. I was up front like this, and they just walked out. And they vowed they would never return to that church. This is the church that he was born in. And it was quite a situation. He never came back. I went to see him, and I wanted to hear his heart. And this is what he says. The changes that you are making, which are very small, are going to destroy this church. And we're not going to be part of that. Now, that was big news in this little town. Everybody in town was talking about it. One older member said to me, how are we going to survive without this man? Now, I began to wrestle with God. Uh, Why did you bring us here? Everything seems to be against us. 
All I've tried to do is preach the gospel and everything is exploding in our face. That was a hard season. Now in 1 Samuel 19, we, we pick up the story with David. He, he was in a similar place, you might say. The, the king, he had set guards at his door to kill him when he left and walked outside. So what does he do? He escapes out the window. And he finds himself outside the city he loves. Away from the wife that he cares about. In the dark, with the all-powerful king trying to kill him. And all he had done was good for the king. And all the king had done was return evil, pain, manipulation, and anger. My friends, can you imagine, I mean, think with me. Can you imagine a more difficult situation, a more depressing situation? Now, I think that we too often find ourselves in the dark not knowing which way to go in life, feeling like we've been treated unjustly, thinking, I, I don't deserve what's happened here. All I've tried to do is serve the Lord and obey Him, and I'm standing in the dark, and I have been treated so unfairly and unjustly. And in such times, depression, anger, bitterness, empty, they begin to knock on our door. And they really want to drive us away from the Lord, telling us that we've made a mistake somehow, that we need to second-guess our decisions. And my friends, in such dark times, we are convinced everything is working against us. But I want you to know that in Christ, nothing is further from the truth. God is sovereignly working everything for His glory and ultimately for our good and our joy. So here's the main idea today. The worst things work for the good in Christ. The worst things, some of the things that we're experiencing now, God uses those things for His glory, and yes, He uses them to transform and bring good. He's a redeemer. So there's a few things we want to see. First is this, the great escape. Look at verse 11 and 12 with me in your Bibles, and I'll just read that once more. Saul sent messengers to David's house to watch him, that he might kill him in the morning. But Michael, David's wife, told him, if you do not escape with your life tonight, tomorrow, you will be killed. So come back. There's a great war council that Saul has. His son Jonathan is there. His son intercedes for David, and he convinced Saul not to kill David. David then went to battle and had great victories after that happened. He returned again, playing the harp which Saul loved for his beloved king. An evil spirit comes upon Saul, and you probably know the story. He takes up a spear and he throws it at David. David flees to his house, which was probably in the city walls, built in. And the scripture says, watch him, the king says, that we might kill him in the morning. So Saul sent soldiers to guard David's house so that when he walked out in the morning, they would immediately strike him dead. Michael, his wife, convinced him to escape out the window. She lowers him down, and then she tells the guards he is sick. Now, notice the brutality that David is facing. Verse 15, bring him up to me, the king says, in the bed that I may kill him. So to the soldiers... If he can't get out of bed, if he's too sick, 
bring his bed to me and I will strike him in the bed when he can't defend himself. So you see a pattern here in Saul trying to kill David when he's playing the harp, when he's sick in bed, anytime he can. Absolute bitterness, jealousy, brutality. So where does David go? Now, it says a lot about a person, where they run when difficulties come. Verse 18, look in your Bibles with me. Verse 18. Now David fled and escaped, and he came to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and lived at Naoth. David could have done a lot of things, right? He could have gone back to being shepherding. (laughs) He could have come back and said, look, life with the sheep's a heck of a lot better than this. No one's throwing spears at me. I'm going back to the sheep. He could have gotten a rebel army up. He could have fled back to the Philistines. But he went to a place where his only protection was God. He went to an old prophet. He goes to his spiritual mentor. And there they are in Naoth. The dwellings, it's described. A small monastery-type community occupied by nothing but the school of prophets, which were people that would go out and profess God's word. And as he's there, nothing to protect him. Notice what God does. Verse 23 and 24 in your Bibles with me. And he went there to Naoth and Ramah, and the Spirit of God came upon him also. And he went and prophesied until he came to Naoth and Ramah. Stop there. Saul's spies report where David's gone. The king sends three groups there. The first group goes, and as they draw close, the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and they fall down before the anointed king, and they begin to prophesy truth. Saul sends a second group, maybe a stronger group, I don't know. And they go, and as they draw close, the same thing happens. Saul says, I will send a third group. And they fall down, and they prophesy. And the all-powerful king says, well, you know, there's some things you have to take care of yourself. And so he goes. He comes. And as he's going from Ramah to Naoth, he starts prophesying. And when he gets close to Samuel and David, the spirit is so strong upon him that he strips off his outer clothes, he falls to the ground, and he prophesies all day and all night the greatness, that is, of his God. Now, what is God doing? What what is God doing here? Deuteronomy 33, 29, this is what God's doing. This is what it says. Happy art thou, O Israel, O people, saved by the Lord, who is the shield of your help and sword of excellency. You see, when it looked like everything was against David, there's nothing there to protect him. He and just a few prophets. God, the king, steps in in a supernatural way and pours out the Holy Spirit so strong upon these men that all they can do is fall on the ground and prophesy. That means proclaim his glory. Often you and I find ourselves in the dark like David, and then we think, where am I going to run? What will I trust in? 
In the early 1990s, there was a TV documentary made about the Civil War, America's bloodiest war. And in this documentary, they got lots of letters together from men who went into battle. And as they began to read those letters, there was one word, one theme that stood out that you saw again and again and again from these men. The word was providence. Again and again, providence. The soldiers referred to trusting their lives into the invisible hand of God and His guiding and leading their lives. In their fears like David, they were running to the Lord and entrusting their future into His powerful hands. Now, my friends, do you have times where you feel like David? Where you feel like the children's song, Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. And I guess I'll just go and eat worms. It means I have nothing. I'm alone. I begin to believe that everything is working against me. And in these times... The invisible hand of God seems non-existent to us so that we can often second-guess ourselves and think, I've made a mistake. This marriage is too hard. These children are driving me crazy. We should not have moved to Dothan with these crazy hurricanes. Where do you run? The real question is, as we serve Christ in this life, what are you trusting in? Now, I would guess many run to TV to forget the darkness and the troubles. Men often envelop themselves in their work so they don't have to deal with it. Sometimes people occupy themselves with shopping and friends. Those are not bad things, but they're not places to run to. One of the greatest truths of our faith is this. God is for you. Amen? Yeah, if you believe that God is just a supreme clockmaker who designs and makes the world, winds it up, then steps out of the picture to let it run, then, my friends, you will always run to something besides God when you are wronged and you've been let down and you are in the dark. Romans 8.31, and we'll wrap it up in just one sec. If God is for us, who can be against us? The truth is, regardless of outward appearance, God is for you in Christ. God doesn't just save us, but He sustains His people. We call this divine sustenance. He loves to do it because at the same time, He is upholding and sustaining His people. He gets the glory, and we get the joy of it. Now, there's three things we're going to close with. How do we think and live this? Three things. First, run to older Christians in the faith. Run to older Christians in the faith. If you're struggling over these next weeks, Why is God doing this to me? I want to encourage you. Look what David did. He ran to Samuel, didn't he? His mentor. And what does it say? He told him everything. He poured out his heart to him. Listen, find an older brother, an older sister, and I guarantee they have been through the trials you're going through. And pour out your heart to them and allow them to speak grace and truth to you. Second, run to God, not away from God. This is exactly what David tells us. How does he endure the trials? He says it in Psalm 119, verse 92. This is what he says. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my afflictions. If your word had not been my delight, I would have perished in my afflictions. Now we ask, how was the law, his, the word, his delight? And the answer is, it's full of the promises of God. 
Like Psalm or Deuteronomy 33, 29, the Lord is my shield. And so when David is in difficulties, he runs to the word. He wraps himself around the promises of God. He takes hold of them and lays them up before God. God, this is what you have said to me. Be faithful to your word. And he says, if I had not done that, surely I would have died. And my friends, the call is the same for us. Take yourself to the word. Every promise of scripture in Christ is yes to you. Pour out your heart there. Cling to them and ask God to work them in your life. Third and final, continue to do good to those who mistreat you. Continue to do good to those who mistreat you. And we'll finish here. What do you do when someone continues to return evil for good in your life? With the neighbor who refuses to let you cross his property to cut trees down that you need to get to. Or the, the tree guy who says, oh, yeah, you lost a bush there. That'll be $8,500, and I'll take care of that for you. David continued to do good to Saul, and it had a result. Listen to the result in Saul's heart. 1 Samuel 24, verse 16 and 17. Is this your voice, my son David, Saul says? Saul lifted up his voice and wept. You are more righteous than I, for you had treated me well, and I have treated you badly. David's acts of love and kindness, never returning evil for evil, melted Saul's heart and brought him to a place of repentance. My friends, as believers, we are not a grave where we receive God's love, grace, forgiveness, and bury it so no one can see it. We are his temple to sing and proclaim his praises and greatness to all around us, regardless of how they treat us. We are the hands and feet of Christ in the world. So we feed the hungry, we cut our neighbor's trees, we, we rake their yards because of Matthew 5, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, last thing I want to say is this. Understand this. When God was saving David, he was saving you. For it was through David that Jesus the Messiah was promised to come. God was protecting David through Micah, his wife, through Jonathan, the son, through the Holy Spirit dropping the prophets or the the, the men from Saul on the ground to prophesy because he had promised to send a Savior into the world and that Savior had to come through King David's line. And the gates of hell would not prevail against God's plan. This was his providence. And he would keep it. My friends, God is a God that we can trust in. His word is a word that we can stand on in the most difficult times. And he is a God who wants us to cast all of our cares upon his mighty shoulders. Your shoulders are not big enough nor meant to carry them. But you have a redeemer who can. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word and just give grace to us now. Lord, let us know that many of us have got big burdens and maybe we say, oh, it's okay or she'll be right or I've got it taken care of. But maybe deep down we're wondering, my bank account's empty and how am I going to pay for this? Lord, we're wondering, how's my roof going to get fixed if my insurance says no? Oh God, let us not run to 
drink or alcohol or just games on the computer or whatever else it might be that we entertain ourselves. Let us take hold of you, our Father in heaven, and pour out our hearts and our troubles before you. And we trust you and we look to you as a God of providence and our King. In Jesus' name, amen.